It's the rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Thursday, June 17th. Yeah, that's four in a row, baby. I wasn't lying when I said we were going to pick up the pace here because, hey, man, fantasy football, draft season, all that is in sight at this point. Can't believe how close we are to the 4th of July. First on today's podcast, we're going to continue on with the team preview series. We're going to talk Cleveland Browns. Let's go Brownies. Let's do that thing today. Before I get into that, I mentioned this on the pod yesterday. We do have merch for sale. I always feel weird saying the word merch. Anyway, we got t-shirts and and fun stuff like that over at sawdustpods.com so you can get a rant. If you like the rant logo, I love that thing, man. You get a a t-shirt with that on it, pretty fresh. Yes, I said fresh. But also, I'm going to give one of these bad boys away to you for reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Review it, rate it, leave your Twitter handle in the review, and uh, you could be a winner. You'll be entered in to win if you do that right there. Uh, We'll pick a winner in July, uh, but actually got a pretty good one yesterday. Uh, And uh, I like the review. The review said, to the point, not a lot of extra talking. That's true. Uh, I don't do a lot of extra talking. Accurate projections. I appreciate that. Everyone loves a good rant. I like what you did right there. Get those reviews in. I appreciate this. This helps expose the podcast. As this thing grows, you know, it's all going to be better. The more I can do. So there you go with that. Appreciate everybody reviewing the podcast. And uh, again, we'll pick out a winner and you'll get to pick a t-shirt of your choice uh, with the rant logo on it. There you go, right there, all right? Get them in. Appreciate you. All right, so let's talk the Cleveland Browns. Got to say, the team was a mess heading into last year. The Freddie Kitchens experiment was a disaster, and that came on the heels of a coaching regime that was even worse. Is that possible? Even worse. The organization was top to bottom bad, but there were good players on the roster. And, of course, Picking Baker Mayfield, you know, Baker Mayfield, I love Baker Mayfield as a player. He doesn't quite have some of the juice of some of these other quarterbacks right now, and I'll explain why in a second, but you know what? That was a good move. But an even better move was bringing in Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski showed in year one that he can do things that these Browns teams haven't been able to do. Win a freaking playoff game first and foremost, be very competitive in an always tough AFC North. This team's a real deal. And when you look at the offensive roster, it becomes even more impressive. Now, Baker Mayfield, as I said, the one major deficiency, the one thing he doesn't have that, hey, yesterday on the podcast I talked about Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow does have, that mobility. Baker's not going to run a ton, but you know what? He's still more mobile than the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees era of quarterbacks. I'm projecting him out at 180 rushing yards, one rushing score. But what Baker can do is he can absolutely spin the football, man. This guy, he can throw it. And he likes very precise routes from his his receivers. Uh, He certainly gets that with Jarvis Landry. And I do think now is finally a time where we're going to see him on the same page with Odell Beckham Jr., which I'll talk about Odell in a minute. But Baker doesn't quite have a top 10 ceiling The only way he gets there is if he's off the charts efficient from a touchdown standpoint, passing touchdown standpoint, which I don't want to rule out, but I'm not going to project that. Right now, projecting him at 3,900 passing yards 
and then 28 passing scores. And, and that may sound light, but keep in mind, this is a Kevin Stefanski offense now, so it is going to be run heavy. And when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in your backfield, can you blame them? You're going to be run heavy. You have two feature backs. What other team has that? This is the best duo of running backs in the NFL right now. So Baker is, you know, last year I may have called him an upside option. He is a safe option for me now. In one quarterback leagues, my safe and upside approach, I will take one safe quarterback and one upside quarterback in the late rounds. Not every single draft. If value slips in the middle rounds, I'm going to pounce on the value, you best believe. But in most drafts, yes. I will take, and Baker is a safe option. I think you pair Baker up with Joe Burrow, that's a pretty interesting duo. You get a little bit of juice with Baker, too. He's not quite Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is like boring safe, right? Really boring safe. Baker, a little bit sexy safe, you know? A little bit sexy safe. So there you go. In a two-quarterback league, I'm targeting Baker. Two-quarterback, super flex. He's an optimal guy who I'd be going after. Now, I mentioned Odell Beckham Jr., and here's what is appealing to me about Odell. And he is a guy, and I know a lot of people are going to pull that thing, and you know that thing. Here's the thing. Ready? Not going to draft him again. Oh, we've heard that one before. Not going to do that again. Okay, fine. Don't do it. I'll pick him up at a value a little bit later on. We haven't seen Odell with Baker after this team has gelled. We haven't seen it. We don't know what that looks like. We saw Odell with Baker under Freddie Kitchens, blah. And then at the very beginning of last season, COVID year, no real offseason, first time on the football field. So I don't think we can judge Odell Beckham Jr. from all of that. And with the injury, he's back on the field. He is practicing He's, I think he's going to be good to go, fine and dandy. I love the fact that people don't like him for fantasy. I love the fact that we've seen his ceiling before. Now, it is a, a run-heavy offense, so there is that one drawback. But I don't mind Odell Beckham Jr. as your third, or even in the right draft, if you do attack wide out early, go sort of 0RB or modified 0RB, your fourth wide receiver I don't mind that at all. Projections aren't over the moon. 900 receiving yards, 65 catches, 6 receiving touchdowns, but that's top 36 basically with Odell Beckham Jr. I don't mind it. Of course, we do also have Jarvis Landry here. We got a couple other receivers to talk about younger receivers. So why don't we do this? Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of the receivers here for the Browns. All right, so part of the appeal of the Cleveland Browns is not just Odell Beckham Jr., but you do have Jarvis Landry, who's been one of the most productive receivers of his generation from a catch standpoint. Gives you that high floor. He's he's a wide receiver four for me in this offense right now. There's just not enough available targets to to be any more bullish on him because they do expect so much in the run game. I mean, this this is a team that could rush the ball over 500 yards, or 500 times, 500 yards. Yeah, of course they could. Over 500 times this season. So Landry, more of a wide receiver for it, doesn't quite have the ceiling that I'm looking for in that range. So, you know, take it for what it is. If he's a value, I'm going to take him. Otherwise, I'm not going to take him at value and certainly not before value. I'm not going to take anybody before value. 
Right now, it does look like Hollywood Higgins will be the number three receiver, but we should still see some Donovan Peoples-Jones. He gives you that downfield ability that is that is appealing for upside sake, but there's just not enough meat on the bone to consider him in redraft leagues. He's a hold in dynasty. And then Anthony Schwartz is going to be interesting. So my comp for Anthony Schwartz, the kid who they drafted this year, is McCole Hardman. He is very raw. I, I Basically, I, I would equate him to a track and field athlete who is in a football uniform. He's not quite a true, pure football player, which I, I'm not, I don't think that's a knock. I know some people might say it's a knock. The dude is literally the fastest guy on the field anytime he steps foot on a field, and that's including in the NFL. That's how world-class fast he is. So I could see them designing some plays for him but it's going to take some time with Anthony Schwartz. Now, this team also has a, a, a spoil of riches, really, at tight end. They have Austin Hooper, they have David Njoku, and they have the, the young Harrison Bryant, second-year player there. I love the trio. The problem is they have three. And three is typically not good if you're looking for one fantasy tight end. Of course, that one would be Austin Hooper, but when you have Najoku, Najoku's going to be on the field at times. He can be a red zone presence, so that takes a little bit of the wind out of Hooper's sails. And then, honestly, they used Harrison Bryant more than I thought they were going to last year, and he's not bad. I mean, he's he's a small schooler. You know, you had these two small schooler tight ends last year in Harrison Bryant and Adam Troutman, and they were both really impressive at that level, and then they were able to step their game up. So he he's a deeper name. I don't expect his role to expand much this year. I, I barely have him over a target per game this year. Same with Njoku. But I'm going to keep my eye on him for Dynasty. So Austin Hooper right now, 46 catches on 65 targets. It's not enough, right? 438 yards, four touchdowns. It's not enough. That is absolute back-end tight end, too, which means Austin Hooper really isn't draftable for me in one tight end leagues, and I don't care if it's tight end premium or not. I roll my eyes at tight end premium. Tight end premium doesn't change anything for me. Just like six-point passing touchdowns. You change the scoring settings, it really doesn't change much in how you approach your draft. If you change your starting requirements, then it changes how you approach your draft. But anyway... We'll keep an eye on Hooper. Uh, of course, if if Najoku or Bryant got hurt, that would certainly benefit Hooper. I don't ever want to wish that, though. But we'll just keep an eye on him. Uh, I'm not really overly bullish on him. Now, speaking of overly bullish, I have noticed that people are overly bullish on Nick Chubb. And this is one area where scoring system does matter somewhat, at least in terms of how you evaluate Nick Chubb at the running back position. If you are talking about a, a non-PPR, what we used to call standard, we don't call it standard anymore because PPR has become the standard, but a non-PPR setup, Nick Chubb is, is arguably a top six option. He is one of the best pure runners in the NFL. No doubt about it. He is a threat for double-digit touchdowns this year. He could carry 230 to 250 times. He should easily go over 1,200 rushing yards, if not more. He's a beast. But if you're playing in a PPR, I don't even know if he's inside the top 10 at the position. And I know that may be blasphemous for some. But those who are looking at that are neglecting to look at the major elephant in the room named Kareem Hunt. 
If you have Kareem Hunt and you're Kevin Stefanski, what, are you just not going to use him? You're going to just say, okay, well, you know, I know we really haven't given Nick Chubb much more than a, a little over a catch per game over his career, but let's bump that up to three catches a game. Because that's what you need to be really squarely inside that top 10 in PPR. I don't see it happening. I don't see Nick Chubb getting well over 300 touches. Now, granted, he can be extraordinarily efficient with his touches. We've seen it. The dude's a beast. But the name of the game is volume. The name of the game is volume. And Nick Chubb right now projecting at 235 carries, 27 catches. Just over 250 touches. Because the problem is Kareem Hunt could approach 200 touches. Now, I don't quite have him there, but I have him 147 carries, 35 catches. He's going to be more involved in the passing game than Chubb. And this is the thing. If you are ranking Nick Chubb well inside the top 10, if not even top 6, then you better be ranking Kareem Hunt outside of the top 30. And that is simply not the way I'm going about it. I have Chubb at 10. I have Kareem Hunt at 25 in a PPR. I would not recommend drafting both of them. I know people want to do that. Kareem Hunt is not even a premium handcuff. Like, he's in another level. He's like ultimate handcuff. Because, yes, if Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt is an instant RB1. If Kareem Hunt goes down, I think Chubb is an instant now top six guy. But, again, don't want to wish that on anybody. So if I'm picking one of these two, I'm only picking one of these two. I'm not going to grab both of them because you're going to be in a situation week in, week out where you're like, well, should I start them both or should I only start one? And if you're starting one, it's Chubb. And then if Hunt has a big game, you're going to second guess yourself and it's not good for business. So there you go. A little bit of a pump the brakes on Nick Chubb. All right, next up on our list, of course, is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll talk about them tomorrow on the podcast. In the meantime, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, Hashtag Rat Pack, and don't forget to check out the rest of the Sawdust Podcast. Love this stuff, baby. Love it. All right, I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here. <laughs>